I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. My next guest is most famous uh, for her ever-shrinking miniskirts, perhaps, and the catchy tunes, of course, which saw the UK soar to victory at the Eurovision Song Contest in 1981. That's right, Cheryl Baker is one of the four members of the iconic pop band Bucks Fizz. To celebrate their 40th anniversary, herself and fellow bandmates Mike Nolan and Jay Ashton are doing a special performance at the O2's Indigo venue on the 31st of March. I spoke to Cheryl about her upcoming show, her thoughts on Eurovision being back in the UK, and whether she's made her mind up about this year's entry. Uh, but I started off by asking her how she feels about the iconic song which won the competition all those years ago, and her answer is quite surprising. I've never been much of a fan of the song, to be honest. Uh, you know, it changed my life, didn't it? So without making your mind up, I wouldn't be talking to you now. So, you know, there's such a lot going on at the moment, Mariella, and uh, who'd have thought it after all these years been in the business? And it's all down to that silly song. So, um, yeah, it drives me mad, but thank goodness for it. I love the fact that you say uh, you didn't, you, you don't really like it. You didn't really like it. I mean, was that your feeling right from the very start? Yeah, it's not. I don't like that kind of poppy music. See, my my music tastes when I was kind of growing up uh, that influenced me was Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Crosby, Stills and Nash, all those sort of seventies bands, and all my favorites. And even to this day, that, see, to this day, that's the kind of music that I like to listen to. I like fantastic lyrics. I like beautiful harmonies, and you know, making your mind up doesn't fit into that genre. <laughs> I've mentioned that you're going to be doing uh, this Bucks Fizz reunion uh, after all these years. How do you feel about sort of going backwards like that? And is there any chance that you might be um, popping onto the stage in Liverpool? Well, I'd love to pop onto the stage in Liverpool. They haven't invited us, but I would absolutely love it. I really would. I'm so excited that it's coming to Liverpool. We haven't really um, reunited for this gig. We've been gigging now. The three of us have been gigging together since 2009. Uh, And we just do 80s weekends, festivals, you know, 80s festivals, um, any gig that anyone asks us to do, really. Um, And and it's, we do, I don't know, maybe three or four a month, which is enough. I really love getting on stage and going down memory lane. You know, when you're on stage and you look out at the audience, and especially at 80s weekends, because they all dress crazy and they all get drunk, and then when you come on stage, they're thrilled that you're on there and they know every word of every song and they're all of a certain age and it's rather lovely actually you know to be on there and stop the stop the band playing stop singing and let the audience carry on singing land of make-believe you know and 
And then at the end of the show, obviously, we do Making Your Mind Up. And I say, well, I suppose we have to do that silly song, won't we? And they go, yes! And they all get their cameras ready because, Mariella, we still rip the skirts off, even though we're all, you know, in our hundreds. But they all get their cameras ready to take the the photo of the iconic moment when the skirts come off. You know, I, I love it. And yes, I would adore it if we were invited to Liverpool. We're going to be in Liverpool anyway. We're gigging all that week in and around Liverpool and doing promo and stuff. And we've already been booked for three television shows on the Friday. So probably more will happen on the Saturday. You mentioned you're going to be in Liverpool all week. So uh, all that week. So you clearly still have um, an interest and a a relationship with the with the Eurovision in a way. How does it feel to see the competition back on on British soil after all all these years? I think it's fantastic. I, I mean, I've always loved Eurovision, even though, you know, my musical tastes, as I say, were not they're more kind of West Coast America than they are UK. But. I've always loved Eurovision. I think I think it's that competition thing. I wanted to compete as an Olympic athlete when I was young because I really loved running and I really wanted to win a, a medal for my country. It's all about being... I'm, I love our country. I think we have the most amazing country. I really love the UK and how tiny it is and yet so strong. It's so fantastic. I love our country. And so, you know, it's an international competition and I, and I want to support the UK and the Wyomingi. What do you think uh, then of, of this year's entry uh, from May Muller? Because I, I, I was sort of struck by the fact that, that she is a, a similar age to the age you were when you first took to the stage in Dublin in, in, in 1981. And she's also yeah. going to be performing last, which I think is a, a, is a good slot to, hat, so, uh, to have. So do you think we're in with a chance? When I first heard the song, I thought, oh, I don't know about this. And then I heard it again and I, I was like, oh, actually it's quite catchy. And then I heard it the third time, and I thought, actually, I, I quite like it. So it's it's one of those that grows on you, I think. It's not as strong, I would say, as Sam Ryder's last year. Sam Ryder, the way he sung and the soaring voice was so fantastic. And it's not like that. You know, you don't hear the big high notes about you. Wow, amazing. But she's still, she's got um, quite a big following, not as big, anywhere near as big, actually, as Sam had last year. But I'm, I'm sure it's growing. If she does what he did last year, he went all around Europe. He was performing in town squares, little villages. He was, he was really doing his homework and getting his face and his name and his song out there so that they all knew. And I think we're all of a mind that, we possibly could have won last year had it not been for the war in Ukraine. It can also, uh, as was your experience, catapult you to international stardom overnight. I wondered if there's any advice you'd want to give May, just in case that song does prove to be catchier than perhaps you think. Well, I did the Eurovision before. I did it in 1978 with a band called Coco, and we came 11th, which at that time was the worst the UK had done. Obviously, we've done a lot worse than that since... But uh, so I knew what it was like to lose. It's not great because leading up to the 1978 Eurovision, we were in every newspaper with front headlines. They really love you. The British press love you when you're representing the country and that. And then if you fail, there was a little box the next day in the paper saying Coco came 11th. So you're nothing if you fail. You either win or there's no point in entering it. But it's still a great experience. So all I would say to May is just go out there and have fun. 
So let's go back then, because you have tantalised me with information about you that I I, I didn't realise. First of all, the the love of the likes of of Joni Mitchell, you know, and and West Coast American uh, music, but also aspirations to be an Olympic athlete. So how on earth? Uh, tell me a little bit about very young Cheryl and and how you then ended up joining first Coco and and, and then Bucks Fizz. I just I loved being I loved sport and I still love sport and I really wanted to represent my country and then I saw Sandy Shaw win the Eurovision Song Contest in 1967 so I was 13 at the time or no I was yeah I was I was 13 and I thought that's fantastic that's winning an Olympic gold medal but for music and I loved music and I loved singing harmony I used to sing harmony with my sister so I wanted to be if I was going to be in a musical if I was going to be a musician I wanted to be in a musical band where they sang harmony and there was an advert in a newspaper it was in 1975 so for six years I'd been um a secretary in the city in London, taking shorthand, Pitman's shorthand, and with the dream of being a singer or an Olympic runner. And I, and I saw this advert. I was 21 years old, and it said, girl singer required for harmony band. So I auditioned. I sang a James Taylor song, and, uh, and they asked me to sing a few harmonies, and I got the job, and that was it. That was it. That started me. When I left Coco, I went to work in a, a, a studio, a recording studio, where we did all our recording, and a woman came in who had met me in my Coco years. And she said, I'm putting a group together, calling them Bucks Fears. Do you want to be in it? And then, you know, at what point did you realise that this was, was something that was actually going to sort of, it wasn't going to be a hobby. It wasn't going to be a sort of part-time fun thing to do. It was actually going to be your profession, your career. After we won the Eurovision, we had to stand on a platform to be photographed. And we were surrounded and it was astonishing and, I remember, and we looked out and thought, this, our life's just changed. And immediately then we had to fly off to Austria and then to Germany and then to, you know, all over Europe, Rio and Chile and Japan. And, and I thought, when does it stop? And it just kept on. And we were releasing singles and the next two singles went top 20, but the one after that went to number one and the one after that went to number one and three after that went to top 10. And... And we were we were already now in the third year and still having top ten hits, selling out our tours. It was it was just astonishing. I thought that it, the day will come when it stops, and it did for me. It stopped in the nineties. The love of the eighties had gone completely, and it was very we were very passe then, and we were doing bingo halls. And I thought. I didn't do this before Bucks Fears. Why am I doing it now? And the only reason I did it was because I wanted to stay in the band for Mike Nolan because he'd been very badly injured in our coach crash that we had. And I wanted to kind of look after him. Then I got pregnant. When I was pregnant, I thought, I can't be in this band anymore. You know, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to look after my kids. My My TV career had started. I wanted to concentrate on that. So I left in December 93. And tell me this, because, you know, the, the, the 80s was a, a difficult time uh, to be a woman. I mean, the 70s probably even worse. And going back in the history of time, you know, it's, it's been a challenge. And I wondered what it was like for you in the music business, in this band that was obviously a created band. Did, did you feel that you had autonomy? Did you feel that you, you had a voice? I mean, for example, the thing with the miniskirts, you know, where did that come from? That came by chance because um, I wanted to wear, because I'd been a runner, I had really chunky thighs. I still have, you know, they're, they're really muscly. And I wanted to wear a skirt down to the knee. I know that suits me. 
Jay wanted to wear a tiny little miniskirt. And I went, oh, you know what? Let's have both. And it was a choreographer picked up on that and said, that's, that's what we'll do. We'll have the long skirt over the short skirt. And on the line, if you want to see some more, we'll rip the top skirt off. Or rather, the boys will rip the top skirt off. It wasn't shocking, was it? it those, those mini skirts weren't particularly mini. They were mid-thigh, that was all. But um, it was the first time that anything like that had happened. And that's why... Still to this day, it's an iconic piece of Eurovision history. And and going back to that sort of thing about being a woman at that period of time in the music business, what was that experience like? I was always quite a strong character and I'd say what I think and I believe in, you know, equality as much as you possibly can. It, it's always been it's always been a man's world and it still is to this day. We know that. And especially in our industry, especially in television, let's say, you and I should still be on telly all the time because we're very good. There's a lot of talk about bringing older people back to work, but I think we're meant to be invisible when we do go back to work, or as invisible as possible. Exactly. But if we were blokes, it wouldn't be the case. But anyway, having said that, I was very strong and I was very outspoken. In our band, there were two boys, two girls. I mean, Mike was my best mate, so he was always, we always agreed with each other because we loved each other and still do. Jay was quite a, a shrinking violet. She was a lot younger than me. When we did the Eurovision, she was only 19. We didn't have a lot in common in those days. We're absolutely fine now because, you know, she's a woman, she's had children, and we've, we've had a lot of experiences that are very similar. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And how would you describe the difference? You know, I mean, you're still up on stage. You're still singing uh, those songs. So you must sometimes think back to to the girl you were uh, when you first started performing with Bucks Fizz or the Fizz, as, as, as you're now called. H- how would you describe the difference between the, the young you and, and the you now? Do you think you've changed a lot over the passage of time? I, I used to have a terrible temper. And, and as I said earlier, I was very opinionated. And I've calmed that right down. Uh, with age and with having children and being more understanding and stuff like that. But I'm still, I remember my mum saying to me when she was in her 80s, saying to me, because my real name's Rita, so everyone called me Rita. Rita, 
I'm still the same person as I was when I was 19. I've just got an older body. And I and and I am. I'm still the same person, but I have calmed down. I have I'm very much more understanding. I mean, um, there are things about getting older that I think are fantastic. Uh, and equally, there's things that I hate, you know, like your skin. I hate that. So that's so unfair. Because like my mum said, I still feel young. But your skin says, no, you're not. <laughs> you're getting on. Get used to it. Um, but no, I, I, I haven't changed that much, really. I, I'm really happy in my own skin. I'm apart from, well, no, my old skin. I'm not happy in my own skin, actually. I'm really unhappy in my own skin. I'm happy as a person. I'm really happy with where I am and what I do. I love what I do. Really love what I do. Every day is different. I have to look at my phone to see what I'm doing the next day, and I love that. And I like living where I live, and I love my husband and my kids. My kids are still living with us, and they're nearly 29. I think that's great. Um, So so in that respect, you know, I, I, I think I'm pretty much the same person as I was as a, as a young singer in, you know, in a successful band um, and reaping the benefits of it still to this day and loving it. And just finally, I mean, on Eurovision night, I, I presume you're going to be rooting for the UK, um, as you just uh, explained at the beginning of this interview, your enthusiasm for uh, for, for the UK. Um, but will you still also feel a sort of frisson of excitement thinking back to that night in Dublin um, in 1981? As soon as it goes, makes me go cold it didn't even just then singing it I I love it I love it and and I just find that so moving and so emotive that piece of music and yes I'm going to be so excited if we're not invited on the night which maybe we will maybe we won't we still don't know but if we don't I'm up there anyway because I've rented a house all the family going up as soon as they said we're coming to Liverpool went straight on Airbnb rented a house cost of bleeding fortune because why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they double their price or quadruple their prices? Um, but uh, but so I'll be watching it on the telly, or I might go to the the Eurovision Village. Although I am, and I know that, and this is not blowing my own trumpet. I know that I'm Eurovision royalty. I know that all of Bucksfield is a Eurovision royalty. And if I set foot in the Eurovision Village, then I'd be bombarded with people. So uh, so probably the safest thing to do is to stay at home and watch it on the telly and if you haven't been have you ever been to Eurovision no no I've never been it's just the best it's so it's a big love fest everyone loves each other everyone they're all colorful they've all got their flags it's there's so much happiness it's it's a really lovely experience I've been to several now and each time it seems to get better whereas when we did it back in the 80s it was an audience of stuffed shirts. It was in a smaller venue. It was like, let's get it over and done with and go for the for the free wine afterwards sort of thing. Um, but it's so much better now. It's, it's, everyone should put it on their bucket list.